Hello, creepy cats. We are back with another unsolved murder. Did you know that there are currently 118,000 missing black men in New York? Today, Melissa is telling Jackie about two of these cases that went from missing men to unsolved homicides. Please be aware that this episode will discuss graphic murders and assault. Listener discretion is advised. What's up, everyone? We are back with another episode of You That's Creepy, and we are back with another unsolved murder. Yes, give us some more unsolved drama. Jackie's was absolutely tragic. Sorry, mine was so brutal. It was rough. (sighs) Mine's not like... Obviously, nothing on this channel is going to be great or any better, but... (laughs) It's not as bad as mine. No. No. Yours was one of the most, like, gory things we've had on this channel thus far. It was. It was was really bad. No. I'm actually going to talk about two today because (laughs) one is pretty short, but I was like, I'm going to throw this in here because, obviously, you know, an unsolved murder is still something, so I found it and I wanted to throw it in there. Yes. Give it to us first. And, okay, so another reason, too, why I picked two of these is because... Both of these are in New York in the 1990s, and there is such an overwhelming and ridiculous amount of black men and women in New York who are missing and unaccounted for. There are millions, and it's ridiculous because there are so many people in New York who go missing and are never found, but the numbers of black people who go missing compared to the number of white people is, like... Oh my God, it is outstanding. I will link heinous. I will link an article from, I believe it was the New York Times, talking about the millions of black women that go missing and are never found in New York City. And it's crazy. So these are not black women, but these are both black men. And I wanted to talk about them because I feel like I've never heard of these and that makes me sad. Yeah, it's like I never hear really about that. Mm -mm. Especially in the 90s for some reason. Yeah, so this first one is going to be the unsolved murder of Edward Mitt Crowley. He was born on August 31st, 1976. At the time of his disappearance, Mitt, he went by Mitt, Edward Mitt Crowley. Mm -hmm. Mitt was a handsome 14-year-old boy. He was around 5'2 and weighed 115 pounds. So, I'm assuming because he was 14 that he didn't really hit his growth spurt, because 5'2 is kind of short still. Yeah, just a little baby. Yeah. So, to me, he still seems like a child. Um, Classmates and friends said that Milt was... Milt. Oh, my God. (laughs) I was going to say built. Mitt was built. (laughs) He was... He was Milt. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Mitt was built with a baby face and an energetic child. He played football and was pretty athletic. At the time, Mitt was living with his parents on Orange Street in Brooklyn, New York. So, as many of you may know, Brooklyn, New York in the 1990s was kind of not the best place. There was a lot of drugs and crime. Um, You know, the 90s were really 
prevalent with like cocaine and the crack pandemic and things like that going on, especially in New York, New York City, all of those places. So he wasn't he wasn't living in the best neighborhood, but um you know, he wasn't like in poverty or anything. It was just not the best time. So on the night of his disappearance, Mitt actually was staying over at an aunt's house. So he was going to stay at his aunt's house and then the next morning wake up and go to class at the Maywood School in Albany County. And I saw that the Maywood School is a special education school for children with confirmed or suspected disabilities. And the school offers educational services, uh, transportation, therapy, counseling, things like that. But I couldn't find any articles saying that Mint specifically had a disability. Yeah. Like, none of them were saying that he had a disability. That was just the school. And when I looked it up, I saw that. So I was like, okay. Mm. But there's nothing wrong with having a disability. But obviously, the reason I wonder is because could it have played into the story Yeah, like, affected his judgment or anything. Exactly. Depending on what it was. I mean, he's already young. But, yeah. Exactly. So it's kind of like... When a young mind isn't fully developed, if you had a disability, that really could affect this case. But I don't know because it was never confirmed if he did. It just said that the school he went to was um, for children with suspected disabilities. So, questionable. Anyway, on March 27th, 1991, Mitt left his aunt's home in the morning to make his way to school. However, Mitt never arrived at his school, unfortunately. Reports from police say that there were witnesses who say that they saw Mitt Crawley at the intersection of Northern Boulevard and Livingston Avenue on the morning of March 27th. But these are like the last times that anyone reported Mitt being seen. Um, so days passed without Mitt arriving at home or in school. Since he was still a child, he was only 14, police started their investigation after it said after a few days, which I was like, what? after a few days, like, he didn't show up at school when he's only 14. Yeah. Should have been, like, after a few hours. Yeah. So, I kind of was like, uh, I don't know if maybe the area had a lot going on at the time. I don't know if there was some racial bias going on. I really don't know, but it did take a couple days for them to investigate Police began an investigation, but they apparently didn't really uncover anything substantial. They interviewed friends and classmates who were very upset. They said that Mitt was a nice and friendly kid. However, a few friends of Mitt did tell the police that he recently had begun selling marijuana to earn extra money. Mm -hmm. So, as sadly as it is... Police say that they suspected it's something to do with drugs, his disappearance. Yeah, okay. He's 14 and he's selling marijuana. I'm like, I, I'm not, like, I don't think that someone's selling marijuana in the 90s, in the middle of the crack cocaine pandemic, yeah, like, or epidemic would have led them to, like... I how often that happens, that somebody who's selling marijuana gets brutally, or, like, gets killed over selling weed. Like, I honestly just would like to have police point to a couple examples where that happens, where they constantly think that that's, the, like, the story. I agree. I thought the same thing, because they're, like, that was what... Police uncovered the marijuana thing, and then they were like, drugs. Oh, that's it, yeah. yeah. And 
like, of course, I'm not saying all police do this or whatever. I'm just saying in this case, in particular, this is what happened. So 10 months pass with no sign of Mitt. He never shows up to school, contacts his family or friends, anything. So in January of 1991, two woodcutters were doing work on a private wooded property in Selkirk, New York, when they came across skeletal remains of a small body. The body was surrounded with a few pieces of clothing, including gray sweatpants, a blue sweatshirt, and a National Football Conference championship for the New York Giants. And the Giants had won that championship in mid-1991. So police were able to determine with the clothing that was found that it was belonging to Mick Crawley. No. I believe that was the last outfit that he had been wearing when he was supposed to be going to school. After doing a forensic examination on the remains, um, they could confirm that it was indeed Mitt. And they also could confirm that there were fractures on the right side of Mitt's skull. So it was believed that he was beaten to death um, and died from blunt force trauma to the head. No. I know. It's so sad. Like, this is just a child. A little baby. Police very quickly said that they believed the death was likely drug-related and uh, had to do with Mitt selling marijuana. State Police Senior Investigator James Dolan told the Union Times in 2002, I think that it's a case that is drug-related. For some reason, people decided to take it out on this kid, whether it be to rip him off for drugs or money or other drug-related reasons. End quote. (laughs) They have no evidence to suggest any of that. You're 14. Who is thinking he's a drug kingpin? Yeah. Who? Like, you know damn well he's just selling now they're 14 and 15-year-olds. Okay, okay. So there's like, they're they're saying that, and I'm not saying 100% that's not true because desperate people do desperate things, but where is the evidence showing this besides... Stop making assumptions. And what if classmates were mistaken? What if this was someone else? Yeah, where is the evidence? Yeah. By 1993, like, nothing's going on. The body was found in the beginning of 1992, I believe. So, like, nothing is really happening with the case. But at the beginning of 1993, in January, Mitt's mother and older sister were both arrested on drug charges following a raid of their apartment. So the Crowley family alleged that the police intentionally ransacked their apartment and raided it, destroyed family photographs and items that were, like, almost sacred to them because it was things of Mitt's and photographs Mm -hmm. and stuff of him and police came in for uh, apparently a drug raid, and they, like, destroyed all of their things. So the Crowley family also alleged after their arrest that the family did not take Mitt's disappearance seriously. I believe that they were saying it was a runaway situation at first, and so they weren't, like, investigating it as hard as the Crowley family believed that they should have been. So Mitt's mother, I believe her name is Therese, Therese took it upon herself to investigate Mitt's murder because she kind of obviously didn't think that police were doing their part. Um, So she believed that if it was drug-related, that this would be someone who would have coerced or forced Matt 
I'm sorry, Mint into drug trafficking because she was like, there was no way that Mint would have just been out here kind of like selling drugs at his own accord because he was so young. Yeah. So she was like, if that's true, then this is someone like using him almost for trafficking or something like that and using her son. So Therese takes it upon herself to search, have her own little investigation And she was able to track down a local cocaine dealer who claimed that they had seen Mitt the morning of his disappearance walking with three older men who were headed to New York City. After that conversation, though, the cocaine dealer was shot and killed. Oh, wow. So that was like the last she really could get from that. But it's kind of just weird. He was like, they were heading to New York City. Like, how did you know that? Literally, how do you know? Okay, yeah, it was just kind of weird, but that was what he had told Therese. Um, Therese then decided to go to Harlem with photographs of her son, Mitt. She walked through very dangerous streets by herself, showing anyone she could find the photographs of her son. She even met with Harlem detectives and showed them the pictures, kind of asking, like, do you have anyone that has spoken about a murder or drug-related with this with my son? She asked if any, like, local drug dealers could have had a connection to him, but they didn't have any leads or any responses. They didn't really have anything for her. Damn it. So, unfortunately, that's as far as police got, which is truly nowhere to me, honestly. They heard the marijuana story, and they ran with it. And, again, if if it's the marijuana story and that's what happened, that's fine. But where is the evidence yeah. telling me that that is what happened? Just stop creating these, like, stories, these false narratives that don't have evidence. And this is a 14-year-old blunt force trauma to the head. This is during the 1990s when crack and cocaine were blowing up. Like, I feel like... Make it make sense. Even if they're robbing him, I feel like no 14-year-old even is selling that much where you're robbing them. Yeah. He's wor- he's out of school with children with disabilities. Yeah. Like, I, I don't... who is he selling this marijuana to? I don't agree with that one bit, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. So, sadly, there's, like, one more tidbit I have about this story. I'm not going to act like there's a ton of leads or that I'm like, I have anything hidden. I don't. It's very sad. But one more tidbit. There was a pretty disgusting human being named Joel Scott that lived in the Albany, New York area during the 1990s, the same area where Mitt was stolen from and then murdered. Joel Scott, he was a promising heavyweight boxer. He was on the come up and kind of like the one to watch around New York. In June of 2004, Joelle Scott beat a 59-year-old woman to death in an attempted rape in New York. So Scott beat a woman named Dorothy Royal to death with his fist during an attempted rape. Jeez. And she died due to blunt force trauma to the head. I know it is horrible, but the reason why I bring this up is because when this Joelle Scott was arrested, he told police, like, I killed before and I said I would never kill again. And this murder was after he had already been convicted of attempted rape of a 12-year... 12-year-old having sex with three different minors and leaving the scene of an accident where a child was critically injured. My God. And those crimes all occurred in the mid-1990s. 
and Scott did serve prison time, like, after that, like, in the later 90s, and then was released. And then after that, he murdered this poor woman, Dorothy Royal, who was just trying to pick up bottles to sell them in a park. And he beat her to death. Disgusting. So a lot of people bring this up because apparently when Joel Scott was being investigated by police, like I said, he said that thing about he had killed before. And some people allege that he said to police something about killing, like, a younger child. Mm. So it's kind of like, it's what the hell is up with that? They were in the same area, Albany, yeah. New York, during the same time frame. Mick Crowley died of blunt force trauma to the head. Totally fits. And this Joe L. Scott was this boxer who could have easily done this, as yeah. horrible as it is. And he made a comment to police literally saying, I killed before and I said I wouldn't do it again. Police won't comment specifically when asked if he's a person of interest. So that means if he wasn't, you would have just said no. So yes, he is. So he clearly is. <laughs> yeah. But that was in, I think, like, 2019, police said that they needed more. Like, they needed more to close this. This happened in 1992, and I don't think police gave it 100%. I will say I am glad that, like, still in 2019 and earlier, they're like, this is not solved. We need more help. And they're kind of like, police are leaving it open at this point that they need more help because Joel Scott never admitted... Yeah. He tried to say he didn't make that statement after the fact, and then he tried to say he was innocent of killing Dorothy Royal, even though they found him with her blood all over him. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, Joel Scott, he basically tried to take all of that back, and they could never confirm that he had done that. But that, sadly, is all I have on Mitt Crowley, which is horrible because it's like... How was this poor, sweet, 14-year-old boy, never had a problem with anyone, Yeah, is just murdered so heinously, and we're just supposed to believe it was because he was selling marijuana? Yeah, I don't believe that. I don't believe it for a damn second, and it's not too late to solve this case. I agree. Like, can't we get some damn DNA? Literally. Can we get something other than a rumor? Can we? Oh my god. It's so frustrating. Like anything other than a rumor, please? So that was Mitt Crowley, and now I just have one more quick one that I will talk about because this is a John Doe. Oh. We actually don't know who this person is, which makes it all the more intriguing because, like, what the hell? How can we not know who someone is? Someone has to know something. Exactly. I want to figure it out. So this one is the nickname the Niagara County John Doe that was found in June of 1991, the same year and the same time that Mick Crowley disappeared. Hmm. In Niagara County's New York, right? Yes, also in New York. And yeah. these are also both black men. Well, mm-hmm. Mick Crowley, I'm that's still a child, but he was an African-American child. And the Niagara County John Doe was also an African-American man. So on John, oh God, on (laughs) June, on John, on June 22nd, 1991, two teenagers who were walking through the woods picking berries along Black Nose Spring Road in Lewistown, New York. That's cute. They're picking berries and their cute little berry picking turned horrible because they stumbled upon skeletal remains that were clearly human. (laughs) Jesus. Sorry. That's horrible. Went from picking berries in the summer to... uh, Finding dead bodies. To, um... Ooh, that's creepy podcast. Yeah. 
So they found remains that were in an 11-foot ditch that was 30 yards off of Black Nose Spring Road. So clearly, like, someone dug a ditch and placed these remains there. It was 11 feet. Yeah. So the body that they found, it was skeletal remains because the body was very decomposed. When investigators came to the scene, they said that it had to have been in that ditch for at least a year. That's how decomposed it was. Investigators were able to see that the body had been bound and gagged when it was put into the ditch. So it was clearly a homicide. And there was a white sheet on top, a washcloth placed into the victim's mouth, and he had been bound with cords. The victim was wearing a white, size large, Fruit of the Loom men's shirt, uh, along with light-colored underwear, and a pair of men's long johns were next to the body. Because the body was so decomposed when it was found, there was no identification found, and police had to send the skull that was found to investigators, um, or the skull that was found, they had to send to um, a professional to, like, make a sketch. They couldn't even see, really, the face. That's how decomposed it was. That's bad. Yeah. Based on the bone fragments, the sketch artist was able to draw a picture of what they believed the man's face would be, which I will link below. Also, with the bone fragments, police determined that the body was of an African-American man aged 30 to 45 years old, most likely between 5'7 and 5'10, with short, kinky, curly black hair. Investigators also could tell that there were broken ribs and a few broken bones along the face, Hmm. but these injuries were healing at the time, so they suspect that the man could have been a boxer. Oh, interesting. Basically, what they were alleging was that at some point he got into some sort of serious fight with someone and those had healed before his death. That's weird. So they just assumed a boxer, but like, who knows? Maybe it was someone who just got into fights, but maybe a boxer. After the remains were found and the forensic investigation was complete, the case basically stalled because they didn't have, like, a solid photograph. All they had was a sketch, and the sketch that they put out there, no one called or said, I know this person. So there were no leads, really, for homicide to go on. Um, police didn't couldn't say who he was, so years passed without any updates or leads. But in July of 2018, police believed that they caught a break when someone reached out claiming that the sketch resembled a missing man from Rochester, New York. Hmm. However, by December of that year, dental records were able to confirm that the missing man from Rochester, New York, was not the Niagara County John Doe. Damn it. I know. Police are now hoping that with advancements in DNA, they can extract some pieces of DNA from the remains that were found, and hopefully that could pull a match on some sort of ancestry site to, like, a long-lost relative or something like that. So, I don't, like, they weren't saying specifically, we have enough DNA to put it in a website. So, I'm like... Then what do you have? I don't know. But they, again, in 2019, police were... um, Kind of, like, putting some new articles out there just saying, we still have this case, we have the sketch, like, let's look at it, and if you guys know anything, but there weren't, there haven't been any leads or anything. So, <sighs> that's kind of where that one is at right now also. Darn it. 
I won't lie. I literally spent probably an hour to an hour and a half looking through missing persons reports and on the Charlie Project. Trying to solve it. I literally went through so many pictures. I found one person from the Charlie Project. It was a report. It said it was from New York City of a 31-year-old African-American man that went missing in 1990 from New York. Oh, my God. There was a photograph of him, and he had short, kinky, curly hair. He, They said he was about 6'1", a little taller than our mm. Niagara County John Doe. Okay. But the reason why I'm literally not calling the police on this person right now is because it said that it was in the hands of the like a Texas police department. Oh, so maybe that's where they found the, the body. But I'm like, so why does it say New York City in the yeah, first place? I don't, I don't know. know. Should I follow up? Do you think I should like just ask them what, where the confusion is? It can't hurt. I know it sounds stupid. Like maybe it's not even the person or maybe it has no like whatever, but. but they don't have anything else. They don't. And it said, so this man that's missing, his name is Kelson Ryanel Roby. He has a page on the Charlie Project, and I will link his page below on Doe Network, where he was listed missing. Again, this is... I found him because I was looking at people who were missing in 1990. He fits the description, honestly. So I'm kind of just wondering, and it said the circumstances of this man, Kelson Roby's disappearance, was that, from what I read, he was in New York City, and he was wearing a nice Rolex watch with diamond bezels on it, and that was never found or anything. Hmm. So I'm wondering, like, maybe someone saw him with a Rolex, held him at gunpoint. Like, maybe that was why he was bound and gagged. Yeah. Maybe, sadly, he passed away. Who knows? Maybe this is all just me being a podcaster, you know, where we go on these binges and we're trying to connect the dots. But I don't know. Okay, I'll email someone tomorrow about it then because I need to know for my own, like, sanity. I just need to know. It could be nothing, but I have to confirm. Confirm it. I'll put, and let me, let me, like, if you guys think that the person I'm talking about looks nothing like the sketch, let me know. If you think there's a resemblance, also let me know. Either way, I'll call and figure it out. Yes, <laughs> let you guys know. Love that. But sadly, this is where both of these cases kind of end with our Niagara County John Doe and sadly, the disappearance and then murder of Mitt Crowley. So it's very sad, but guys, like, can we put these freaking DNA back into Ancestry.com or whatever, and maybe we can have some updates on these cases and the one Jackie just talked about? Exactly. We would love some updates and some progress. Like, these cases need to be talked about still, and like I said before, there are so many black men and women who are disappeared and missing, and they don't get the same sort of love, I feel like, all the time that white people obviously get, so... Like, we need to do our part, and we need to step it up. I agree. (sighs) Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in, even though these ones are sad. I know they're sad, but, you know, I do love a good unsolved, uh, unsolved disappearance, unsolved murder, all of that. And these stories still need to be told. So, let us know what you guys think with the unsolved murders yes let us know and we will see you guys next time for another episode Woo! i hope you guys are having a creepy fall yes have a great fall and thank you guys again for listening bye bye want to creep on us follow us on social media at ew that's creepy podcast 
or send us an email at ew, that's creepypodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.